one. Boom. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we got a little clip here or a little show here for us today. We are going to be talking to you entrepreneurs who want to scale your business. You know, you're doing stuff day to day, but you want to grow as fast as possible. If that sounds like something you want in your life, this episode's for you. Let's get this one started. Here we go. Shut up and sit down. Look, a business can give you everything you want in life. Prestige, wealth, freedom. It can also take everything away from you. This show is for those who are willing to take that risk. These are the real life stories of entrepreneurs. But before we start, I have one small favor to ask. Please leave a comment. It can be advice, critiques, tips, feedback, or share this with someone because your engagement is the most valuable and most powerful form of social currency. So thank you. And welcome to another episode of Business Plus. Ladies and gentlemen, business bros out there, listen, are you an entrepreneur looking to scale your business? Do you want to leverage the power of design and technology to make a difference? Well, today we have a special guest who has done just that. He's a, he's a digital native, an entrepreneur, and growth consultant who's helped businesses uh, raise over $100 million. He's here to share his insight and strategies to help you overcome your own business challenges and achieve your goals. So let's welcome to the show, Mr. Pete Senya. Wow. Welcome to the program, man. It's good to be here. That was pretty hype. I wasn't expecting that. And I was like, I felt like I was in a nightclub. So that was, that was hype. That's what I'm talking about, man. Uh, you, it's funny. I'm, I'm looking at your background real quick. You got Brene Brown's uh, Dare to Lead book back there. It's all about being vulnerable, man, and just having some fun with it. I, I, I've been doing this podcast thing now. Literally, officially, now that I'm looking at the calendar, today is my actual anniversary. Five years I've wow. been doing the podcast now. Congrats. So five years. Of, damn, I didn't even make any social media posts about that at all. <laughs> Oops. That's but, amazing. Uh, five years. I'm- five years, man. I want to interview you now and hear about like just some of your biggest learnings in five years, what you wouldn't do or would do again if you had to start all over. You know, I'll give you this one. I would have started sooner. Uh, There's no other medium that I've ever come across that allows me to create content at scale, to build a brand, to learn from other entrepreneurs, to build a massive network and an email list. I just wish I would have started this five years prior that and I've been doing this for a decade instead of just half a decade. Right on, brother. Well, listen, I, um, I'm happy to be here and share whatever would be valuable. All I can share is my experience and hopefully it can be valuable for some folks. Well, let's do that. Let's start off with, uh, with your journey. I, uh, I understand you were a coding enthusiast at like the age uh, the ripe old age of 13, right? And how did you become the, uh, founder CEO of digital surgeons? Tell me a little bit about your background. Yeah. So just for anybody listening, I mean, first, thanks so much for tuning in and, and giving me your time and attention. I think time and attention is the one currency that we all share. Um, there's 24 hours in a day and how we use it's very powerful. And hopefully you spend some of that time sleeping. So um, answer a little bit about me. So I'm basically a self-taught kind of nerd. And essentially how I got into coding was I, like most kids growing up, a millennial, you know, 80s baby growing up, I was like, I want to make video games because video games are cool, right? And in order to make video games, how do you make a video game? So that was sort of where my curiosity kicked in, started learning about programming, started figuring out that I could punch these keys and type these things and push a button and things would happen on a computer. And that was sort of where my whole world opened up. And as a shy, skinny, scrawny, introverted geek, which um, 
I'm not a lot of those things anymore, but still the geek. But um, I got into coding and started writing code. I think I wrote my first line of code probably like nine or 10 years old. Seriously, it was like some basic, um, you know, go to this line, go to that line. Um, and then from there, just started doing more complex stuff. Um, obviously, video games are very visual. So that's where I found my love for design because I wanted stuff to look cool and not just be, you know, black screen with white text on a DOS prompt. Um, and then, you know, ultimately, that's kind of where it all began. And um, I started my first company actually while I was in college. I was I had a job working at a large sports marketing company, and there was this really simple moment where they were like, "Yeah, you can go over here and be a coder, or you can go over here and be a designer. You can't do both." And um, I don't know if we can swear on this show, but tell yes, me if I can. Go for it. But I was like, "Fuck that! You're not going to tell me what I can't do." And uh, nowadays, it's super common for people to design and code, for people to be like a polymath or interested in many different things, um, and the that impetus for me is just what drove my whole life and career and work and you know built that business up um ran that by myself for a couple of years and then brought on a partner um who's magical and he's got you know business development capabilities and strategy capabilities and then he and i um did the run together for a little over a decade built up the agency digital surgeons which we now call ds and um from there that just kind of spawned into a bunch of other things, started doing a lot of angel investment. A lot of the work that we did was in the tech space. Um, so we saw a lot of deal flow in tech and yeah, that's really where I got the bug. And by the bug, I mean entrepreneurship, right? And when I first got started, I didn't think I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I just want to make cool shit for the internet. And still to this day, I want to make cool shit for the internet, but now it's got to have a real purpose. And that purpose has got to be like helping people's lives get better, helping people's businesses get bigger and better and grow. And that's, that, that's my story. And I think, you know, we can fast forward to present day whenever you're ready for it. But yeah, that's just a little bit about how I got started. And I'll pass it back to you. Dude, uh, growing up in the 80s, it's funny, man. When you're talking about video games, I remember uh, I wanted a Nintendo so bad. And my parents, uh, you know, they, they got us this present, present for Christmas. They opened it up and we're like, an Atari! <laughs> and, you know, they didn't know the difference. We knew the difference. Yeah. But the graphics just kind of got better and better and better. I remember playing Super Super Nintendo and watching Mario with his, with his uh, cape. And I was like, this is freaking awesome! Uh, growing up and then started to play some Halo, things like that, online stuff. Like the gaming industry, the coding, the design, all that has gradually gotten better and better. And then I see my kid over here playing Roblox and the graphics on that thing are just horrendous, right? And I'm, I'm wondering, the, the interaction has gotten different. When you when you wanted to create cool shit for the internet and you're, you're very purpose-driven, you kind of mentioned you had to separate between coding and design. What's it like today? I mean, today, I feel like they kind of have to go hand in hand. And we look at stuff. I mean, you see complaints on, on the movie, The Flash, that just came out recently. They're like, oh, the CGI isn't as good. Or people are complaining that some of the stuff isn't as great, but the capabilities there. Yeah. How are you kind of deciding which one's cooler, which one's better nowadays? Yeah, I mean, so there's a lot in there. So I guess the question I would ask you is, what's the question to unpack here? Cause I heard, I heard a couple in there. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, well, I was, I was focusing on coding and design. Why the separation between the two? And is it, you kind of mentioned that they're kind of one thing today. How, how did that, yeah, how so, does that kind of break down? Yeah. Yeah. Right on, right on. So they're definitely not one thing, right? They're, they're very different disciplines for sure. Right. So what I mean specifically is like 
to build anything takes a team, right? No great company was ever created by a singular person, right? It's, there's a, it's about a vision, a cause, bring people together and bring the experts together to make that happen, right? So back then, I think what companies tend to do is companies want to create control and re repeatable, predictable control. So what they try to do is they stick people in boxes. That's where if you, if you go back to like management theory in the 1800s and like Taylorism and why companies all look like giant triangles where, you know, the, the person who seemingly works the hardest is on the bottom and they make the least and the person on top, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So there's all this kind of stuff that would take hours to unpack. But I think at the highest level, what I mean specifically is companies typically, as they scale, create silos. And they create silos because they need that predictable, reliable, kind of repeatable types of action. And when that happens, it's tough for people to be more hybrid. And by hybrid, you know, it's people having a lot of different skills, right? So like the jack of all trades metaphor that we always hear, it's often jack of all trades, master of none is the, is the sort of thing that people, or Jane of all trades, master of none is the thing that people typically say. But for me, I like to think of it um, back to video games for a second is the company Valve, right? Which is one of the most popular companies. They built Steam, the whole thing is they talk about this concept of being a T-shaped employee and in their, in their employee manual. And if you, you should definitely pop this in the show notes, like the employee manual for Valve is a really cool thing. Just Google employee manual Valve and you'll see their old employee manual. It's pretty cool. And they talk about this idea of a character that is both wide and deep, right? And the T-shape, they, they got the character in there, but it's the very, very deep set of expertise but then also wide across a number of different things. Some people these days have talked about M-shaped employees where you've got a couple of different pillars. And I believe in today's day and age, especially as we are on the hills of AI automating everything and people being scared of it even replacing us, and I think we can talk about that in just a second, I think what's really important to note about all that is the breakdown of silos and making sure that people have to have a wider set of expertise to be able to solve problems across different disciplines. Some people call that cross-functional or cross-disciplinary, but like back then I was just like, I wanted to be able to, you know, I was super shy, I was super introverted. I didn't have friends who did all these other things. So I didn't have, you know, a 50 person team. I had to do it all myself in, in the early days, right? And that's where I taught myself to design, taught myself to code. So when I was forced with a choice to just do one, as a kid with ADHD, which I didn't know what those letters meant when I was a kid, um, I had a lot of interests and I still do to this day. And I think that it's that eclectic set of interests and not like not doing those interests, but leaning into them with curiosity is what ultimately created a lot of opportunities for me. And I'm really blessed and privileged to be able to have the opportunities I had. But I think why I share that is that I think there, there might be some people on the show now or in the future listening and saying, yeah, you know, my boss is trying to get me to only do this thing. Well, if you want to do a bunch of other things, and there might be a good reason for you to only do one thing, but I think in some cases, some people really thrive in being able to be the conductor of the orchestra. And that doesn't mean that you have to play every instrument. And that's why I love being an entrepreneur, because for me, it's about having the vision in my head, knowing enough to be dangerous about a lot of different things. So I'm not full of shit, but at the same time, understanding, bringing those experts to the table. So like that's my model, mental model today. But it goes back to like the beginning, which is where I had a, I was forced to make a choice. And like most people, why do entrepreneurs typically start businesses? They start it because out of necessity, they just they need to make money, how to figure something out. They start it because there's something in the world. People always say, um, accept what you can't change and change what you can't accept. A lot of times that that turns into people launching new businesses, right? In that case, I launched this business because I couldn't find a business or didn't know of one. I was living on the East Coast, right? I didn't live in Silicon Valley. I didn't live in one of these hotbed innovation places where I could get a job doing those things back then. You know, 
that was the dot-com era back then, right? So I think for me, I went out and just created the path that I didn't see existing. And that's my story. That's my journey. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but it's the one that I chose and um, I don't have any regrets. So now you have digital surgeons. It's it's there. It's been around for a while. You've been building this company. Um, you've helped company raise companies, other companies raise over hundred million dollars. Uh, mm -hmm. Who are you targeting? Who are we talking to? If you could just have that ideal avatar stand in front of you, who is it that you're speaking to to connect with, and what are you doing to help them? Yeah, it's a great question. So first, I want to make sure the audience understands the pie chart that is Pizzena right? Because um, Digital Surgeons was my baby. It's the first thing that I started. It it lended me a lot of opportunities to go on and do other things. So the big, big part of my, my sort of pie chart, if you will, is Digital Surgeons. I'll cover that in just a second. The second big part is I'm an angel investor. I'm constantly investing in businesses where I believe that I can help that business grow through branding, storytelling, or a strategy, helping them figure out what that product is that can really pair and go from there. So that is a lot of tech SaaS. It's a lot of uh, connected technologies, um, IoT, really software as a service. There's all different industries that are mostly tech inclined. I've done DTC as well, but like those are the areas I typically invest in because they've got really, really scalable economics. Um, there's opportunities for you know a little bit of money to go a long way if those businesses are successful. So second part of my pie charts, angel investor. Third part of my pie chart, which I still do a lot of with digital surgeons that has a day-to-day -day management team that's running that company now, is the third part of my pie chart is really coming in and helping my clients or other folks as a fractional executive. So I'll come in as a fractional chief creative officer. I'll come in as a fractional chief marketing officer. And what my job is, is to essentially help them see the problem, spot the problem, visualize the steps and the solutions to make that problem turn into a possibility or, or an event. And then from there, I'm helping them assemble a team, whether that's full-time employees, contractors, or the existing team they have to solve those problems, right? So really you could think of that as like a strategist, someone that's tasked with innovation or growth, lots of buzzwords in my industry. So I'll avoid some of them. So that's the sort of pie chart of Pete. Um, more, most important part of my pie chart, which I don't talk about enough is I'm a dad, right? Love mm -hmm. being a dad. Um, you know, I'm a father, I'm a husband, and that's the most important KPI in my life is like my family's health and happiness, you know, first and foremost, above anything else, full stop. Now, what is Digital Surgeons, right? So Digital Surgeons is a brand transformation agency, right? It's, we've been in business for, at this point, almost two decades. We've worked with every client from a mom and pop in a garage all the way up to a Fortune 50 organization. And I think what Digital Surgeons does uniquely is we understand that your story is your strategy and how you express it makes a massive difference for how it comes to life. So what do we do? We help businesses transform with digital. Digital brand, digital customer experience, digital sales and marketing enablement, right? Well, what does that mean? All those buzzwords aside, it means we help companies grow. We help companies grow because we make them say the right thing to the right people on the right channels. And then that makes the numbers go up in the right direction. Numbers in terms of revenue, numbers in terms of new customers, lifetime value, increased retention rates, like lots of buzzwords. Again, we work across a number of different industries. I'd say the three common industries that we work in most venture backed startup companies, right? Typically tech SaaS. I'd say we're really good at that because we understand the power of using that to acquire customers. First segment. Second segment is challenger brands. We do a lot of challenger brands, whether it's a CPG company, a sports technology company, a health and wellness company. That's our second big segment. And then our third segment is enterprises. A lot of time enterprises, you know, the challenge with being an enterprise, it's like the Titanic. It's, it takes a long time to turn the boat. So those companies will hire us to kind of inject a little bit of the energy I'm bringing to you on this call. They'll bring us in. We do something like a vision sprint. We'll help them figure out 
What do they need? What do they need to grow? Is it marketing innovation? Is it digital strategy? Is it UI UX? What is it, right? So the way to think about it is we help people that have opportunities for growth that are not harnessing them harness those opportunities for growth. So those are the three big segments. And again, the website's flashing across the screen. So if you're curious, check it out. But really like what I'm here to talk about today is just like how passionate I am about entrepreneurship and how if you just think a little bit differently about the world, everything starts to change around you in the right direction. So I hope that's helpful. Totally is. You mentioned that you're, you're part angel invest, investor, you're part fractional, basically strategist for a lot of businesses. Uh, and and you're, you're working with, of course, your company, which is Digital Surgeons. Yeah. And one of the things you said is, is you like to invest in some of these companies because it's little money in and they have a lot of scalability, right? And yeah. so I, I feel that oftentimes when an entrepreneur starts a business, they start it because like you said, it's out of necessity, but they wear every single hat. They don't see oftentimes the opportunities that are available to them to even scale their business. So when you talk to companies like this, when they approach you, what are some of those common misconceptions that they might have or that they're not seeing as an opportunity in their business that you kind of light up and you're like, yo, this is exactly the type of company that I can help and scale. Yeah. So I think it's a couple things, right? So I see three big patterns. First problem and pattern I see is that the company is talking to themselves, not their customer. That's a big problem I see. Um, so we'll come back to how to solve each of these in just a second, but that's the first problem I see. The second problem I see in a lot of cases with companies is they don't know the transformation that they create for other people, right? So they might know their customer, but they don't actually understand how to speak to their customer, how to engage their customer, and how to move a customer through a relationship building outcome, whether that's booking a lead, whether that's signing them up for a product or service, whether that's keeping them on their product or service and not having them leave for somebody else, having them come back and rebuy their product or service. So that's a very transactional need that people typically have. And then I think a bigger thing is just they're not able to create the what we call brand DNA that really matters, which is they can't express themselves, their brand expression. Maybe it looks it looks the wrong part. It doesn't speak to the audience. Maybe the essence of the brand, so what position they sit in, right? You know, they think that they're you know, in the pizza business when really in, they're in the time-saving business, as an example, it's a big pivot um, in how you communicate. Um, so I would say those are the three big common things that I see uh, really common in the business challenges that folks face. Um, and it's the same whether I'm talking to a 50-year-old brand that, you know, is a global brand or whether it's someone that's approaching me to write a check as a startup investor. Um, and I, I have both those situations. They all mim mimic the same parallels, which is, what is your story? What is your strategy? And how are you going to execute that in a way that's going to be meaningful? Um, and I think that it sounds simple saying this. You know, I've been doing this for a really long time. So I, I've tried to create simple, memorable ways to do that because I just think that overall marketing is way too complicated, right? The problem is, is that great marketing is creative inherently, but I think the challenge is, is MBAs for the longest time wanted to overly glorify what marketing was. So they created these like really elaborate, complex frameworks and complex models and attribution and all these different really things. And it scares people away. So one of the things I love to do is when I meet with entrepreneurs that don't understand marketing or don't understand sales, maybe they come in from a product lens or come in from a different world. I just show people like it's not all that complicated. Um, and the one thing that we all have access to now is we've got a supercomputer in our pockets, right? Mm -hmm. These things right here can answer almost any question we have if you want to put in the reps and take the time, right? Why hire me and why hire my company? Because we're going to save you a fuckload of time and probably money and leverage and increase your chances of success, right? 
Whereas if you want to go learn it yourself, yeah, go spend hours, spend time, hire the wrong vendor, hire the wrong thing. These are mistakes that many of us, I think are really should have, because it's, that's how we get that experience is doing those reps. But I just think in most cases, you know, the other day I got a call, um, our company is going to be helping somebody. It's a big financial services company. Um, and we're helping them with generative AI, which is basically like what that basically means is they've got a small team of people that create content and they want to scale that a lot and they can't find 20 new people tomorrow, but they have to have that amount of work. So what do we do? We're using the people that they've got and we're using some fancy technologies and some AI to do that. Now they could go on and they can hire some people and they could maybe take six months to hire 20 people, or they could go spend a couple hundred hours learning about all these large language models and tools and all that kind of crap. Or they can just write a check and hire our company and we can solve the problem for them in a couple of weeks. So I think in a lot of cases, they were smart enough to write a check and we solved the problem for them in a couple of weeks and super excited about what it's going to do for their organization. The information is there. I mean, you grew up, uh, we talked about it earlier, growing up in the 80s. And I, I, I try to express this to people that, that are growing up today in a whole different era that at the time, if you didn't know the answer to something, then tough. Like you, you could go to the library, hopefully you had an encyclopedia and it, maybe you had an answer and it didn't and that's it. You didn't know. Today we have so much information right there in the palm of our hands. You literally know the answer to anything you want, but it kind of makes us complacent. It's almost like you don't start to really kind of put the answers together in a way that works. And you mentioned story, strategy, and execution are the three things that are that are necessary for any business to kind of take off. How can we use those three things to effectively create a business brand that people will resonate with? I mean, I'll give you an example. I, I For me, it's been through podcasting. It's been the the medium that I've used to help create a brand to help kind of fine-tune my own messaging to develop as, a, as an entrepreneur myself and learn things. Um, but, it, but when I talk to different entrepreneurs, a lot of them don't have content. They can't really share their story. They don't have a strategy in place. So can I, can, can I elaborate on that to kind of give an entrepreneur an idea of what action steps they can take to kind of put them in a direction where they can succeed there? 100%. Yeah. So the first thing I would say is you got to know where you're at right now. Right. So at the most simple level, why does your business exist? What it is that you do? Right. And you have to understand like business at the most simple level, you can to grow your business at the most basic level, it's you can either add more customers, you can get your existing customers to buy more things, or you can create new things that you can sell to your customers, right? Like, and I'm, I'm probably oversimplifying that on this thing, but like at the, at the most simple level, like customers are what make businesses go, right? You know, the formula for business, as much as there's a lot of complex formulas that I can give people at the most simple level, every kind of business, it's R as in revenue minus expenses equals profit, right? And if at the end of that really simple math equation, if you've got a positive number, then you've got the opportunity to potentially grow a business. I think in today's day and age where the cost of capital is going up so high, you know, we don't live in the era where you can be Warby Parker or Dollar Shave Club, raise a bunch of venture capital and just burn money like, you know, like you're throwing in a coal fire, right? So I think that what that means is we have to, we've now entered the era of businesses that have to be healthy businesses. And a healthy business is obviously, you know, healthy people, healthy product, healthy customers and, and health, healthy revenue. And I think a lot of cases, so it's like, 
that to me is the, the really simple thing. I know it sounds really stupid if someone's listening to this, like, okay, great. That's not really insightful, Pete. But the most simple level, I think what I realize when I talk to people is they don't often understand their why, their origin story. Why do they exist? Why is, you know, what's the position that they occupy in the market, right? So what I always say is like, what's the, like brand is the space you occupy in the hearts, minds, and wallets of your customer, right? What's the problem that you solve for someone, right? And you have to know that and you have to have that be validated by real people and not just what you tell yourself and what your teams tell yourselves. And then I think from there, it, it, it becomes much more of a simple recipe or formula to understand who are my customers, what, what do they need or want? How do I go find more good customers like that? So one of the things I always do is I say it's the ABCs, right? So what's your audience? What's your brand? What's your category? That's ABCs. And then ultimately, like, how do you get people to act, right? So I like to keep simple acronyms, easy to remember, right? Like, like if I talk to like my 17-year-old nephew, like he can tell me these things, right? He's, he's never run a business, but he knows A is for audience, right? So act. A is for audience. C is what am I communicating? What's my message? And then T is for triggers and touch points. Okay, so I know my audience is people who are looking for an entertaining podcast, right? I know what I want to communicate to them is that we're not just another boring podcast. We're going to spout off numbers and stats. I'm the business bros. We're here to entertain you, give us some value, show you what the best of the best is doing. And where am I going to create the triggers and touch points, right? Well, where do people discover their podcasts, right? You know, or is your audience primarily going to be going past a... Uh, a subway ad in the New York City uh, metro market. Like if that's where we want to pick up audiences, maybe we should do some subway ads. If our people are looking for advice from entrepreneurs and they're going on Google and doing that, maybe we should do some content marketing. It's going to drive people back to the website. So it sounds really easy. And to be honest, it is. I think marketing is really just about understanding human behavior and creating things that allow you to show up in the right place at the right time for the right person and once they know you and once they like you and once they trust you, then they will like, buy from you. Whether you're selling cell phone chargers, you know, hard drives or, you know, or books for leaders. Like, you know, the, these, the formula is really simple. I don't mean to oversimplify it, but I, I think that two people show up and they try to sound too smart. And I just feel like it's a waste of time and energy to do that. Yeah, I, I like to say marketing is how do you get in front of the, how do you get in front of people and tell them what it is you do, right? Like that's the simplicity of it. Um, you also mentioned that people don't understand the transformation. And and I think that is vitally important because we don't actually, you know, I was listening to, to Zig Ziglar on selling as I was on my run this morning. And he talks about we never buy the product. We buy what the product does for us. What's the transformation that happens? What's that benefit that we get? Um, can you kind of elaborate on what you meant by that entrepreneur doesn't understand the customer's transformation? Yeah, 100%. So... Let me give you a perfect example, right? So I've got this hard drive here, right? Um, sitting on my desk and it's just, it's the first thing in front of me. So I'll use this, right? So this is a lacy hard drive, right? You can buy this. So the people that designed this hard drive understood the transformation that happens when they launch this product. Because what this product does is this product actually, and, and no, I'm not, they're not my client. This just happened to be sitting on my desk, right? So I'm not a paid influencer for them. So this is a hard drive. What's special about this hard drive is they recognize that the prosumer that created content is on the go. And because they're on the go, people drop shit. And if I drop mm -hmm. this hard drive, this nice rubbery thing is going to make it bounce, right? And previous to a hard drive like this, this has terabytes worth of information on it. Previous to this hard drive, I would have to get a big fat thing that's heavy and big and bulky. And if I ever dropped it, that shit would just be done, right? And so that's a big problem. So if 
a inexperienced marketer went and launched this product on the market, they would do what my, my favorite stuff is Simon Sinek. He says, people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. Right. He gives the mm-hmm. classic example of Apple. Right. So that, that's a start with why is the book and start with why is his video. And I just love the way that that guy thinks. But like, for me, let's talk about like bad marketing for a second. Lacey. So Lacey puts out a bunch of ads, maybe Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. They're going to make a bunch of videos, probably hire some overpriced New York ad agency. That's going to make them some big fancy thing about what they're going to do. And so what bad marketing would look like is I need space to fill my hard drive and we're a hard drive product. And mm-hmm. we have four terabyte hard drives for $199. Everybody, so that's what they do, right? They're selling features, they're selling benefits, right? So there's a lot of hard drives out there <laughs> and you didn't tell me what makes you different and better. So now let's look at what it would look like if I, if I put something together for Lacey that was much more high end. What I would know is that people drop their hard drive. And when they drop their hard drive, in some cases, they're actually dropping their life savings because on that hard drive, that might be a wedding photographer or a videographer, and that might be them feeding their family for the week or feeding their family for the month. Or that might be a student that has a really important project that, that might not live on the cloud because it's big files. So if you drop that hard drive or if it's too big and it's too bulky, then traveling with it's going to suck right? You lose your files. There's a lot of pain points. So selling the transformation for Lacey, what that would look like is like a series of different things that communicate what it's like when you have those moments, right? So maybe there's a campaign or a moment where you see people losing their files and freaking out because you immediately relate to that, right? You're leaning like, oh my God, yes, that's it. Like, no, he lost the file. Like you have this, the thing pop up on the screen. It's like my file's broken. So if I communicated as Lacey, the essence, my position is we create durable hard drives for people on the go, right? So you never have to lose your files and you can be the best photographer, the best, whatever their segments are. It would be all backed by research. I would put together a very clear set of who's that audience? What, what's the transformation that they need? So the world today, big bulky hard drives that you're carrying around that cost a lot of money, that the data fail rates are there. The world tomorrow is you're going to spend more time with your family and friends. You're having to lug less gear around because it's more portable. It's faster better warranty, whatever the things are, right? So that's, again, just off the top of my head. Obviously, the team, the work that we do is much more data-backed. We're digging into the data, the customer, all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, it sounds nuanced, but one of them is going to perform really mediocre. One of them is going to stand out. And then that's the sort of strategy aspect of it. And then there's the expression of it. So this this orange color is kind of a bright color, right? It's, it's a high-contrast color against everything else that's in this room right now. So this product can stand out in a very, very different way. So maybe I'm going to play with things like color or sound or other types of things that create novelty. Well, what novelty does is creates new things. Our brains crave novelty. That gives us a dopamine hit. And then that's going to let us gravitate more towards that. And then, oh, by the way, once I start to put that through the loop, right? Now it's like if all the cool people are posting content with this particular product or service. Now that's the thing I got to have because you've got it or I've got it or somebody else has it. So that's the simple stuff. And it it sounds so simple, right? I talk to people all the time. I ask very simple questions like, tell me who your audience is. And your audience is not 20 to 45 year old women from metropolitan areas. No, it's not. Your audience is like someone that's a lot more specific than that, that has a problem or a job to be done. And I just think that that like... I don't want to get on my soapbox, but I just feel like people overcomplicate shit. Oh, they totally do. They totally do. And as you, as you were describing that product and kind of the novelty of it, 
the the product that popped into my head was liquid death if it's oh my god it's yeah. water it's water right water designed in a cool can that's put right next to the monster energy drinks why because it's it's different it's it looks and appeals the marketing is completely different it's it plays into that whole idea of ooh i got to get this right but it's water it's still water it doesn't matter whether you put it in a bottle or a can it's still water but it's sold completely different uh, literally, I want to show you something actually, because yeah, go you, for it. You're freaking me out here with this, right? And I, I just I have to show this to you because I really can't make make this up, right? So I'm gonna just hit the present button because I can share my screen, right? So yeah, go for it. All right, share my screen. All right, so this is a real presentation that I give on branding. See my screen? Yeah. I go around and I ask people. Typically, there's you know 100 people in the room, or whatever, and I ask them, okay, just yell out what you see on the screen. And just people can. yell out Monster. beer can, whatever, right? Monster energy, right? It's liquid death, right? So what I explain is at the end of the day, like this water bottle and this thing, it's the exact same stuff in the bottle. But what's different is the packaging. What's different is the promotion. What's different is the fact that liquid death has a $700 million valuation, right? <laughs> so this is it's literally a real presentation that, that we give. I just... Couldn't help but show that because when you said it, I'm like, I can't make this up that, I, you know, oh yeah, I did that too. So this, it's literally right there. <laughs> and it, the reason I say that is like what, what they realized was there's a real insight, right? What was happening was badass people on the road, right? Like musicians, X game people, the whole thing. They were emptying out their, you know, their energy drinks and filling them with water in those cans. That's a real insight. It was a real naturally occurring behavior. And then that starts to open up questions, right? Why doesn't water look cooler? Why, why isn't there a cooler brand? And I think that like at the end of the day, people talk about product, product, product. Sometimes I really think what it comes down to is positioning, 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 mm -hmm. which is like ultimately what they did was just created a better brand that people are more excited about. It's like, have you seen people get excited about their water? Like, no. no. Like, but when liquid death comes around, it's like liquid death has created excitement about their water. So I'm just, I'm stoked that you mentioned that example. Cause I'm like, dude, we're like kindred spirits here. <laughs> it's exactly how it works out. All right, Pete, like we're running low on time. And again, you've dropped a lot of knowledge and, and some of it sounds really simple, but at the end of the day, that's what it is. It's marketing. You're getting in front of people, telling them what it is you do. You have a story that you're sharing with people. You have a way that you're connecting because there's a reason why you started this business in the first place. If people want to reach out to you to kind of help them understand their own transformation, their own story, how can they do that? Yeah. So what I would say is like, if you just want to have a conversation about cool stuff like this, I'd say hit me up on Twitter. Um, I'm at Pete Senna on Twitter. Um, uh, on social, I'm, I'm Pete's Lens. Um, I post a lot of content on Medium or LinkedIn. So if you Google me, I am not the CEO of a nuclear energy company. There's a, another guy named Peter Senna that is, but you'll, you'll know very quickly that's not me. Um, and if folks want to learn about like just some of the different ways that we've taken brands through these transformations, they can go on to digitalsurgeons.com. Um, but at the end of the day, I think if nothing else, I, I, what I hope that the audience hears now is that the importance of sales and marketing and brand experience is really, really important. And a lot of this you can do yourself if you've got the time and if you've got the patience to do it, right? But if you don't have the time, you don't have the patience and you need to grow fast, you know, there's groups like us that are out there that can, can help you with that. And I think there's a lot of great agencies that are out there. There's also a lot of great crappy agencies that are out there. So what you got to do is you got to go with someone that you know, you got to go with someone that you trust. And at the end of the day, hopefully we can be that group, but we know that there's a lot of other great groups out there. 
Two places to find them, ladies and gentlemen. You can go to PeteSanta.com or DigitalSurgeons.com. It's the best way to get in contact. And like I tell you guys all the time, it's a matter of having that conversation. There are a lot of people who do what we do as far as marketing is concerned. You got to vibe with people. And I feel like Pete is literally laying it out to you as simple as possible. No BS, no fluff. Just go check it out. Have a conversation about you and your business and where it is you want to go. And if Pete's telling you what you want to hear and showing you exactly how he's going to get you there, that's the type of person you want to hire. So make sure you guys go to his website, PeteSena.com, or go to DigitalSurgeons.com and have a conversation. Pete, thank you very much for being on the show today. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace. And we're out. It's over. Go home. Is your business in need of marketing? Try starting a podcast. But not just any podcast. Podcast like a pro. We can show you how to take your business from being invisible to becoming a brand people trust. Go to www.businessbros.biz to get started today.